Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I am your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host, Big T. Big T, how are you doing? I am fantastic, Austin. Thanks for asking, as always. Oh, yeah. I make it up. Well, it's written in there to ask you, so <laughs> I don't have to remind myself at all. Oh, it's not sincere? No. Did you have? It's No, it's never sincere. I don't think anyone's truly sincere when they ask people how they're doing. Do you think... Like how are you? How are you doing? How how how's everything going? Like, do you think people really care that much? Wow, you're you're just shedding light on how <laughs> little you think of our friendship here. No, our friendship's great, but like when people, it's just such a generic question to ask. I don't think, like, if you don't have like a specific question to ask and you're just asking the generic one, like, is that do you really care about the answer at that point? Yeah, so I mean, that's why you <laughs> people are like, "How are you?" and you're like, "Oh, good to see you too." <laughs> You're like, oops, I pulled out the wrong rote response to this. That, I have nightmares of that, to be honest. Yeah. Like that, it's those moments that are like those nightmarish moments that I I remember back when I was like a kid and I said the stupid thing to like that girl one time or whatever in middle school or whatever the heck. Those Um, are the things that keep you up at night. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Yeah, I try really hard. I try really hard to listen, like especially at like the uh, drive through at a fast food restaurant or something like that. I try really hard to listen to what they actually said so that I say the correct response. That's funny. Yeah, it's like when you go to the movie theater and they're like, here's your popcorn. Enjoy your movie. And you're like, you too. It's like, shoot, you're not going to watch a movie. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to go home now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have a good Valentine's Day? Uh, I did. We went to a nice Italian restaurant Ooh. and... Had some good Italian food. Nice. And opened presents and stuff. So nice. Pretty pretty good. How about you guys? Yeah, same. We we usually I well, my mom always did a really good job at making making it kind of special for the kids. At least I always thought she would always make like a nice spaghetti dinner and have flowers and chocolates and stuff and that's cute. Whatever. So I kind of try to make it a family thing as well. And uh yeah, so we didn't like go out really actually. I don't know. I guess it's different when you have kids. Maybe I should have done. I don't. Uh, maybe I should really ask my wife if it bothers her <laughs> that we don't really go out for Valentine's Day. But it. She. She hasn't told me otherwise. So usually we just kind of make it a family day, ish. That's cute. Yeah. And we try to put on. What well, we try to put on like romantic music in the. Well, here's the problem though. So like last year. I tried finding like a romantic playlist, but it ended up being, you know, too romantic <laughs> and and disgusting lyrics and whatever for each song. So I was like, okay, that's not going to work. And then um, I was like, oh, I'll just do the Lady and the Tramp uh, soundtrack. But most of the songs aren't really good for that, except for the one, you know, where they're eating the spaghetti. So that wasn't happening either. And I was trying to specifically look for songs that like had like that you know, just kind of guitar playing and all that stuff in the background, like the, what is it, mandolin? I don't know. Anyway, because I feel like Valentine's Day, like people think Italian, you know, you guys got Italian food, all that stuff. And I tried looking at Italian music, uh, like playlists, but none of them were working at all. It was all poppy, which was really annoying. So what ended up working the most was like Greek, (laughs) Greek music. Interesting. So if you want to find music that reminds you of Lady of the Tramp the most, (laughs) you're going to end up looking for Greek uh playlists i would say interesting i would have never thought that greek music would be the the soundtrack to valentine's day yeah it is for me man yeah here we are yeah here we are i will say when we went out to dinner we saw 
like one or two families. So I don't think you're the only one who like turns it into a family event. It's it was a little weird to me, but we also don't have kids, so yeah, yeah. Hey, I wanted to I wanted to mention this to you because I just saw this today and it was very interesting to me. Uh, there's I so I saw it was either on Facebook or something like this. Maybe you're even the one that posted it. I have no idea, but there's these identical twin brothers married identical twin sisters, and they each had a kid. And so the point that the post was uh, putting in there was that technically, genetically, these kids are brothers. That's weird. Isn't that weird to think about? Genetically, they could be seen as brothers. Isn't that so nuts? That's weird. That is weird. It blew my mind. It makes sense, but it blew my mind. I was not the one that posted that, but that is... Does it bother you at all? It doesn't bother me. That's just um, interesting. <laughs> you, look, you look thrown off, though. <laughs> I'm I'm curious what happens in your life in order for you to marry the twin of your twin's spouse. Hey, identical twins, they have identical taste. Yeah? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that is a little odd, though. That is a little odd. I mean, like... I, I don't know if odd is the word I would use, but I would just be curious like how those conversations went down or like how that unfolded. Cause it's like, hey, the girl you're dating right now, I think she's hot. Does she <laughs> you tell your brother this? She's hot. Do you have another like does she have a sister or a friend? It's like, well, she has an identical twin. Oh, perfect. Let's go on a double date. Wait, which one are you again? <laughs> Actually, I have seen though that there are some identical twins who like really want to marry identical twins. Like they want to like share that. Like I've seen a few different posts of that. Like, Oh, we're going to marry identical twins and live in matching houses next door to each other. Like, (laughs) no, they live in the same house too. That's also a part of the post. Yeah. (laughs) In the same house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. I would say, so the brothers actually look, like, obviously, they're identical, but I feel like they look slightly different, just a tad. And maybe their smile is just slightly different. I don't know, because obviously, they're smiling for the picture. But the um, the wives, they look, they actually look like the exact same. Maybe they are the same person. Relating this to my own relationship with my wife, I like I, I smack her tush a lot. And so I wonder if there's any. <laughs> I actually accidentally did that as a kid uh, because my dad's a twin. And, um, I don't even smack my dad's butt, but for some reason when I was a kid, like six years old or something like that, like I thought I smacked my dad's butt, but it ended up being my uncle, (laughs) my uncle Gordon. I was like, Oh, I was dude. That's, that's another, that, that haunts me at night. I was going to say, is that one of the things that keeps you up at night? Yeah. One, you're like right about to fall asleep and (gasps) that one time I smacked my uncle's butt. Yeah. Well, it used to not, not anymore. I think it's funny now, but when I was like probably up until like. 20 years old it, it would like i would be super embarrassed thinking about it still that's so funny um, but yeah i wonder if there's ever any like mistaken like smacks on the tush <laughs> especially if you live in the same house exactly hmm interesting i i just that's like one pet peeve of mine in like tv and movies is like when there are twin characters and they like dress the same <laughs> oh yeah i hate that i'm like <laughs> Yeah. That's so gross. 
Yeah. Well, oh yeah, that's true. I feel like in the post they were all wearing the same. <laughs> they were all wearing the same yeah. thing too. It's like we get it. You're a twin. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. We could see by your face that <laughs> that you're twins, but whatever. Okay. I know that we should probably get to the episode, but there's just a lot of things that I, I don't have a lot of friends, so I don't talk to a lot of people about a lot of things. So I just wanted. Have you seen Peacemaker at all, or do you have HBO Max? Um, I have HBO Max. I have not seen Peacemaker. Okay, I just wanted to see if you had watched it because me and my wife are watching it. We're actually really liking it, and uh, I'm happy. Okay, you have to let me know if it's worth it. We've been watching um, <laughs> Love Is Blind. Oh gosh, <laughs> well that reality show. Let me tell you, one of my favorite things is trashy TV. <laughs> like, yeah, I like after a long day of work, I need to distress, and so I normally like watching comedies. But like, trashy TV is like a go-to <laughs> comfort, you know? Because like, it's really hard when you have a lot of stuff going on in your normal life and then to like sit down and watch a really intense like drama or action thing or whatever sure so that's why i tend to gravitate towards comedies but trashy tv like is so good yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah anyway love is blind like this 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 is the second season and like every single man pretty much in this show is like a walking red flag (laughs) oh really oh man yeah it's just like They'll like say things or do things that you're like, what, yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? But is, is that the same? I swear I saw a, like a promotional video or ad or whatever that like, I, <laughs> I swear it's, it's this show because like there was a dude in a room and then a woman walks in and, um, walks in towards this guy and then he's just like, oh wow. Like. You know, nice to meet you. I'm blah blah blah. And she's like, nice to meet you, and then, like, gives him a quick hug, and then just walks out of the room immediately. Like, like just immediately, uh, uh, turned him down. You know? Oh wow, I don't think so because the whole premise oh, okay. of this is they don't see each other in person until like oh, a all? week later. Like, because oh. the whole thing is like, is love blind? Like, can you fall in love with someone without seeing them? So they'll like talk to each other, but they okay. won't see each other's faces, and then they like not even like a profile picture. Nope, not until they propose. Oh, wow. They have to propose to the person. That's so and then, stupid. Yeah, it's honestly trash. I mean, that's why it's trash TV. But <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. It's so good. That and we've been watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Dude, did I ever tell you that? Because my wife was doing like uh, like massage type of work and stuff like that. And she worked on one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Really? Do you know which one? So I don't. She. I don't even think she ever caught her new. <laughs> she didn't care enough. <laughs> but That's she got funny. her a, a forty-five dollar tip, so that was good. Oh, so yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, Real Housewives of Salt Lake is nuts. Like I, yeah. I haven't really watched any other Real Housewives, but because we lived in Utah, we were yeah. like, oh, we should watch the Salt Lake one, and yeah. it's like it's wild. Like is there it? is arrests and there is like oh my god tons of scandals death threats like yeah it's um very very entertaining oh my i just remembered a i just remembered some i don't remember the name but i remember uh, i think either she's like really tan or something like that or darker skin maybe i think i remember hearing about that and then also she's like 10 years older than her stepdaughter or something like that like married a much older guy and she's like 30 um, a, a real housewife. Yeah. So there's a real housewife who married her step grand her step 
grandpa, I think. Oh, dude, no. So it, I don't know if it's her. No, nah, her name's Mary, but she's not thirty. She's kind of older. It might be Whitney because I think Whitney is married to a guy that's a, she a little bit older. I don't like already had kids. Yeah, and she had. I think he has like two or three kids, and um, one of them's like twenty, maybe. Yeah, they're really close to her in age. It's probably her then. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Is she a good person? <laughs> I mean, define good person. <laughs> Is she okay person? She's, yeah. Um, I mean, Whitney, she she makes for good TV because she knows how to, like, ask questions or, like, rile people up, kind of. Okay. All right. She makes good TV. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to be accepted to be on reality TV. Yeah. No. Well, I asked my wife how she was and she was just like she was pretty chill like a cool person or whatever so i mean most likely they just played up for the camera most of the time but yeah i'm sure yeah i don't know um hey trash tv man trash tv it's good stuff we used to watch bachelor and bachelorette a lot but oh interesting so i never really anymore. watched bachelor and bachelorette but i did watch bachelor in paradise a few I, times. I actually really liked that one the most personally okay because it's so chaotic right it's it's chaotic but like just I remember people saying like, like I like Bachelor and Bachelor Bachelorette, um, but not Bachelor in Paradise because that's super slutty. But I would say that's totally the opposite because usually Bachelor in Paradise, like they're actually trying to find a couple that they stick with. Like that's the goal is to find someone to stick with throughout the rest of the season, pretty much. Because obviously you don't want to get voted off because you didn't yeah. find anyone or whatever the heck. But um, but in Bachelor or Bachelorette. Like you're just it's one person making out with literally thirty people <laughs> like one at a time. Like every time they have a one on one, they make out with one person and then thirty seconds later they're making out with another person. And it's just like it's true. That's way slatter to me than the other one. But you know, teach their own. I enjoy trashy reality TV and it is what it is, you know? Maybe that'll be our spin off podcast. Oh gosh. Layers of filth. Layers of filth. Holy crap, dude. It'll just be trash TV. That's perfect. <laughs> this might happen. Hold on. We'll see what happens with this show over time. But uh, if, if it makes it into something, I am totally down for Layers of Filth. That's oh, dude. That's so good. That's amazing. All right. Well, with that, why don't we get into the film introduction? Uh, of course, uh, if you remember at the end of the uh, last episode, we are covering uh, Hunt for the Wilder People by Taika Waititi. Uh, also written by Taika Waititi. He directed and wrote it. I'm going out of order here. Uh, it was released January 22nd at Sundance uh, 2016. For some reason, I felt like this movie was older than that, but I guess not. Uh, the synopsis is a national manhunt is ordered for a rebellious kid and his foster uncle who go missing in the wild New Zealand bush. Composed, or like, uh, music was by a few different people. And I'm probably going to butcher the names. Lucas Buda, uh, Samuel Scott, and Conrad Wed or Weddy Weed. I don't know. Uh, the big actors is Sam Neill as Heck, Julian Dennison as Ricky Baker, uh, Rima Te Wiata as Bella Faulkner, and Rachel House as Paula Hall. Uh, the budget was $2.5 million. The box office earnings was $23.2 million. Not bad. And you can watch this on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to listen to the episode, go ahead and check it out on Netflix if you already have a subscription, as many do. 
Big T, we had both seen this film already. First time in this entire show that uh, this is episode seven now, where we have both seen something. Uh, how was your? Did you watch it again? If you had already seen, I did. It? Yeah, okay. of course I did. I take this podcast very seriously. Good, good. I did not. No, I'm just kidding. I did. What What did you think about? Well, how many times have you seen it already? I don't even know. Uh, this is. I think this is just my second time seeing it. I think I'd only watched it once before. I love this movie. Yeah, it's such like a fun, cute movie. You know, <laughs> like it's just such a good. I think it's a good representation of like what Taika Waititi does best, which is like pull out your heart, make you laugh a few times and like just have a really pleasurable experience, you know, like it's just like the dialogue is great. The camera work is like spot on. It's so crisp. The location is beautiful. Um, It's just like it's a really fun movie to watch. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely in a lot of the films that we cover whenever I write down like notes or favorite moments, a lot of them um, end up just being like, oh, like this shot is awesome or mm-hmm. this performance was awesome. But this one's just like hilarious moments. Like there's yeah. there's very little uh, times in this movie where you're not laughing, at least yeah. to me. And even, even if it's not necessarily the lines that make you laugh, like it's just the concepts of what's going on mm-hmm. that makes me laugh as well. And it's just so like if you're looking for a good time, like you said, like this is the movie yeah. to watch because it is because there's a lot of movies that end up being heartwarming, but there's so much sadness in it. But mm-hmm. even though there are sad moments in this movie, like it's still it just feels really heartwarming most of the time. And you just you're just having a good time and smiling most of it. Yeah. I love yeah. It. And I think a big part of that is because the characters are just so fun to watch. Like, yeah. Ricky, his personality is just, like, great. And then Paula is so entertaining because she takes herself way too seriously. I got a lot of Um, notes about her, but yeah. (laughs) I think she honestly delivers some of the best lines. Really? Her and Ricky, I think, like, definitely. I mean, Ricky, I think more is, like, his personality is just really entertaining. Yeah. But I just love... Like, especially when Paula starts getting, like, interviewed by the the newscasters and stuff. (laughs) She just takes her job so seriously. And you can tell she, like, really wanted to be, like, a soldier or a police officer or, like, some sort of, like, really aggressive government official. And then she got stuck with, like, the children, you know? Yeah. Because, like, that scene when she's in the tank and she's like, give me your gun. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like you don't need a gun here what are you talking about i mean most of it is just like what's the entire military doing just trying to find this one kid oh gosh trying to find this one kid it's a little uh it's a little odd but so i mean who cares you know like it's just just fun fun. it's just fun yeah no it's awesome i i i love this I love this film. That's that's one of the notes that I had about Paula, though, is, um, well, no, so here's the best part, because it had been a while since I had seen this movie, and I had only watched it once before, just like you, and uh, when I was, I was kind of, like, before I watched through uh, the movie again to take notes on it and stuff like that, I go through and, like, get the characters' names, all this and that, and all the different stuff, so I can get all the preliminary stuff out of the way, just so that I can write the notes about the scenes, and have everything ready for it. And I was putting down Paula Hall, and, and I was just like, ah, that's 
like I know that they say Paula Hall in IMDb, but I feel like it should be Detective Hall, right? And so I almost wrote down Detective Hall or something like that. And then as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, she's not even like she's <laughs> she's like a child service worker or whatever. <laughs> like Yeah. But you can tell so that she like wants to be a police officer. Yeah, and like, that's one of the notes that I wrote down later. It's like she should have been a police officer. <laughs> not not even like a New Zealand police officer, but she wants to be like an American police officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she says the whole rights. She thing. does the Miranda rights, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the 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 fake police officer in her mind is uh just like we don't that's an American thing. We don't do yeah. that here. Also, you're not a cop, so mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're good, we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's just really funny because I just I find her character so entertaining to watch because like she is very much like a juxtaposition of like her job that she has of like working with children and then like her like aggressive like serious manner in which she goes about doing her job and stuff I just and then her like catch line like no child left behind yeah when she says into the like news camera like three times times, yeah (laughs) No, it was at that point that I wrote a note saying no child left behind almost seems like a reminder for her cold, <laughs> tired heart. <laughs> it's like she doesn't actually care about the children, it seems like. And so, like, it's not a catchphrase. It's a reminder. It's like it's so good um, because the whole time she's she's really she talks Ricky down a lot, you know, even at the very beginning in front of his face to mm-hmm. uh, Bella and just saying like, oh, sh- he's a delinquent. He does this and this and this. Like he's done Kicking everything stuff, in the book. Defacing stuff, <laughs> burning <laughs> stuff, <laughs> graffiti stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that, all that, and just like talking him down constantly. And then tries to put on a face like, oh, no child left behind. Like I, I care about the children. It's like, no, no, you don't. You don't. And and obviously, Ricky says that a lot too. It's just like they're just gonna put me back in juvie. Like they don't care about me. We're just shoveled. And I feel like that was like the underlying theme of the whole film really yeah. like obviously there's a lot of funny stuff going on but it's all about like i think just kind of how no one's really paying attention to the kids especially ones that are going through the foster you know care system and all that stuff yeah for sure and i think too like there's very much this like sort of undertone about like caring for a child or for another human being is more than just like meeting their physical needs. Yeah. Right. Like it's not just about giving them food and clothes and shelter. It's about like loving them and loving them unconditionally and like giving them space to grow and to learn and to like become who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really see that because Paula, all she really cares about is like Ricky's physical safety. Yeah. But there's really no concern for his like mental, emotional, uh, like personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Like, what is even her motivation for getting Ricky back? Like, I don't even I don't even know what her motivation is, because I don't think she really cares about him as an individual. She just either cares about not looking bad for losing a kid or really wanting Ricky to be back in the system for some reason. Like, I don't even like what do you think Paula's desire was for getting him back? For me, I mean, and this is obviously just my own opinion, but like the vibe that I sort of get is that initially she wants to get Ricky back because she wants to like just do a good job. It's sort of her role. Mm. She takes it very seriously. Like she wants to, uh, you know, make sure that she has a good report from her supervisor, whatever it may be. But then it feels like it sort of morphs into this more personal experience of like, 
I want to like do this really big thing. Yeah. And it's more about like, you know, her being able to call in the police officers and call in the helicopters and be in the <laughs> tank or whatever. Like yeah. it's sort of feels like it morphs from just like, oh, she's trying to do her job well to like she has staked her personality and her sort of uh, reputation on bringing him back. Plus, I'm sure she really enjoys the spotlight as well. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because like um, Heck wants like or Heck and Ricky both want to like photograph this bird and Ricky. It's like, oh, we'll be famous. And and uh, I think Heck, maybe not necessarily famous, but getting the money for the picture that he would be able to take. So you have like just kind of that, like with a lot of the characters as well. It's like they kind of want to be famous. Even oh, Ka- Kahu, the 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 one girl that he runs into later on the horse, mm-hmm. her dad. Oh, I can't remember his name right now, but her dad, TK, I think. Like just taking all the selfies and stuff with Ricky, which is also like hilarious because I feel like once you get in big trouble, if you take selfies with like someone like this fugitive face essentially or or this missing child and then just let them go like I don't, like it's kind of funny how he ends up taking care of of him in the end but yeah but like there's a lot of people that just kind of want to be famous for one thing or another in this film and 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 you mentioning uh paula wanting to be famous like by going on the the uh, news show is is pretty funny to me because it's pretty prevalent I think for a lot of the characters. Yeah, I think she just wants to feel important. Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of people yeah. do. Which yeah, that was a note that I had. It's just like um like kids want to feel important. Like you know what I mean? And that's that's something that Taika Waititi actually talks about um quite a bit in some interviews that I was watching with him. It's just like cuz there there was one in particular. There was an interview where they're just like, "Oh, like he's a delinquent. Ricky's a delinquent or whatever." Like blah blah blah. And he's just like, "Well, he's not." Like like he does that because he wants to be seen or whatever, but he's yeah. but he's a good kid. Like he's got a sweetheart and he wants. Yeah, to, he's a kid who's done some bad stuff. He's done some bad stuff because he has had a, a hard you know upbringing and, and life and stuff like that. That's yeah. pretty much what has brought all that on. Um, you know, something that I thought was really interesting um, is at the very beginning of the film when we're first introduced to Ricky, he gets out of the cop car and I think they do. A very like they do this um, intentionally to show the back of his jacket, which is like the whole Illuminati thing or whatever. Um, but it says "All Eyes on Me," which is which is a nice subtle detail because obviously there's the obvious thing as far as like all eyes are on him throughout the film because he's missing and they're trying to find him and everyone's obsessed with finding this kid. Um, but then also I I wrote down as like the the overarching like underlying message like all eyes on the children. You know, like just in general, which which is what we've been uh, kind of getting at. But I just thought that that was a really cool uh, little detail that they put in right at the beginning of the film. Yeah, there's a lot of um, really great character development throughout mm-hmm. this uh, movie, because I mean, it's, you really see it the most with Ricky and Hector. You just yeah. uh, who they were at the beginning of the movie is completely different from who they are at the end. And it's such a, a fun process to see them sort of grow into those characters. It's really, really fun. Yeah, which is funny because I feel like Heck makes Ricky harder, you know what I mean? Like tougher and stuff like that. And then Ricky makes Heck, you know, softer as time mm-hmm. goes on. So they like meet in the middle and stuff like that. And they really grow in appreciation 
for each other, which is which is what makes the movie so heartwarming for me. It's awesome. Like I, I yeah. just love. That's like one of those classic things that you always want to see with like two characters that don't get along. And I mean, it's 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 all over films, like all over the place. Like you just want the main characters to get along. Mm-hmm. But um, like this is this is probably one of the best executed films for that. I I think because I'm really rooting it for it, and you catch you catch glimpses of it, and then it finally happens, and they're both like the the moment where they catch those hunter people in the wilderness again, and it's like. If anyone asks, like, if you've seen us, just tell them that we're the Wilder people. And it's like, what? And then, and then Heck is just like, the Wilder people. And it's like, ah, oh, they're like, they're partners, you know, just yeah. like, just like Ricky wanted. Yeah, it's really cute. And there's like a part, I think it's r- kind of after Heck sprains his ankle where he says something like, oh, I don't really care if you like get lost or don't come back. And then, you know, an hour later when he sends, Ricky to go um, find somebody to help the ranger who's sick and he's yeah. like make sure you come back you know he's like don't get lost so it's just oh, like yeah. you have like these turns of phrases that sort of uh, they take the opposite stance later and yeah. it just really shows their development and it's it's just a cute movie it's just a fun movie it is and then it, going on uh, along with that um, when Ricky comes back and the whole place is getting like like raided raided by like the I don't even know if they're cops I think there's technically supposed to be a search party but they have like automatic weapons I don't even know but um <laughs> anyway and he's just like oh no like where's heck or whatever and then finally they meet up again and um it's just it's nice to see that heck like when he looks at Ricky for the first time after like wondering if they're gonna meet each other again you know he has a smile on his face instead of like a grimace, which is just awesome. It's like, yes, this is what I wanted, you know? Oh, yeah. So good. So <laughs> I had a I had a few favorite moments that I wanted to I well the first the first thing that really made me laugh was when Ricky gets out of the cop car right at the beginning and then he checks the whole place out and then he just gets right back in the cop car or not cop. Maybe it's not even a cop car. I said cop car, but it's like just whatever. Oh no, it was a cop car. It's like car, a government right? vehicle. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it is a cop car. Yeah. Cause the police officer or whatever is there with them, but he just gets right back in. Like this yeah. place has no wifi, obviously like <laughs> this and that, like I'm not staying here. Honestly, that whole opening scene is great. <laughs> like everything Paula says is like, it just sets her character up so well when she's like you know i have to i have to do a thorough safety inspection to make sure that this place is safe and then she just like looks around it's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true oh i must have been writing down a note while that was happening i forgot about that that's funny yeah or she says to like ricky gets back in the car and she's like no one else wants you (laughs) oh yeah like she's so messed up man (laughs) yeah just like her dialogue at the very beginning just does such a good job of like setting her up for the rest the rest of the movie yeah yeah, yeah. no it's yeah she's she's kind of two-faced in a way i don't i don't even know like hold on so so going along with paula like is it the fact that she takes it so seriously that makes her one of your favorite characters or your favorite character potentially i don't think she's my favorite character i love all of the characters yeah sure they're just they're so like fun to watch you know yeah yeah. yeah. but i definitely think like she and ricky are my favorite characters because i i do i just really enjoy like how serious paula is but at the same time she's like not good at her job (laughs) (laughs) like she's so rude to ricky just not 
a very helpful person for him. And yeah. then that part where they're at the ravine and she like won't go down the yeah. side of it. And so she sends the other police officer. Like, it's just so funny because her character is like so serious, but it's like, it does not match like her capabilities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's terrible at her job because she's supposed to be taking care of these kids and putting them in a nice place and stuff like that and getting them set up. But she doesn't do that at all she'll take them there but she's not really gonna get them set up she doesn't yeah like you said like she doesn't even check out the place to make sure it's good um except for i guess when she sees heck with the gun it's like oh make sure that that's out of reach um that's like the only time well yeah but then she like turns to bella and is like talking about ricky and she's like you never know what this kid could do or something she makes some comment about like (laughs) yeah you can just tell she like has this the lowest opinion of yeah. of Ricky, and it's sad because you get to know Ricky, and he's so sweet, and he's so funny and yeah. carefree and stuff. Yeah, he just desperately wants to be a gangster. That's that's all for some reason, because he feels like maybe that's his only option. I think that's what he says in the movie at some point too. Going back to the whole like ravine thing or whatever, when she catches up with them, you the, the police officer does end up going over, which was one of my fu- funny moments because his, his scream like when he falls <laughs> down is hilarious. But but um but actually making it even more like uh, or really making the case for her being really bad at her job even more is that she actually wants. Like she starts slipping a little bit. It's like Ricky, you come to us. Like, <laughs> like you come over here. Yeah. And he's She's like, I'm like, not gonna oh, do that. This ravine is really dangerous. I yeah. can't go down it. Ricky, yeah. you come across it. It's not that dangerous. <laughs> yeah. It's just so she's so bad at her job, and she, and but she's if she was a cop or a detective or whatever, she would be better at her. Like she'd be amazing at her job. I mean, she's even, like, trying to teach the search party, like, this is how you snap a neck. Like, it's quick and efficient. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, it's so good. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very much like, she feels like she has, like, some really aggressive military background or something. Maybe she does. And then gets put into this, like, situation where her skills do not match, like, her job. And so yeah. it's just this, like, really fun like contrast no it's good it's uh yeah she is a i don't even know what she is i can't tell if she's like not a good person or a good person or just just in the wrong profession really i guess that's really what it comes down to because it's it's okay to not like kids i think i don't i don't know but yeah, it's fine not to like kids but you probably just shouldn't work in a job where your <laughs> primary responsibility is to make sure children are safe yeah it's it's one of the funniest and that's such a natural thing that Taika Waititi brings to the table here is just I think that's only like he could only he could have made this character as as hilarious as she is and all these characters really there's something special about Taika for sure and I think he does a good job at casting people too um mm-hmm. for sure and that was one of the things that he said in uh an interview was that he wasn't looking for someone that he could make into Ricky Baker he was looking for Ricky Baker you know, mm-hmm. and and Julian ended up being Ricky Baker, or the closest match to what he had in mind, which is funny. Something that I didn't know about this film, um, it's based off of a a book. Which yeah, I saw that trivia that I was going to get to later, but I think it's loosely based off of a book. Yeah, because he said that. That's what I was going to say. He said that in inter- in an interview where he 
he came up with like the first draft um, based off of this book, like it, back in 2005, I think, and then went back to it later and, and continued working on it. But he just like found that he just wanted to pick the parts of the book that he thought would make the best film or the film that, you know, fits him the most. And he did a great job. He did do a great job. There's That's another point that I wanted to make because you were talking about their performances and just how funny that they are. And this is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately because I feel like there's a lot of comedies out there where like there's funny lines and you can tell that they're funny, but the way that they're delivered just aren't that great. So it's sort of cringy. And I feel like like a show that actually does that really well is Shit's Creek, if you've ever seen that one. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing, amazing show. One of the best shows that I've ever seen. And it's just so funny. But what you get from all those characters in that show is that they're they are those people. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no doubt in your mind that that's well, that's probably not the, that's not the way that they are in real in real life. If you if you know like Moira Rose and mm-hmm. like there's no way that that's the way that Catherine O'Hara uh, is in real life. But just the delivery is what makes it extra funny because if you look at a lot of lines in that show they're pretty normal lines but the fact that they're delivered by such these like these uh eccentric like crazy characters that's what makes those lines hilarious and that's what i think you get in this film as well because these people they they deliver these lines in such a a funny way they they just have it it's it's like a natural instinct to just like be funny and that's that's what i really think that makes a comedy i think in the end. Yeah, I agree. It's like the dialogue is is just really really good and then you mix it with like really strong and unique characters. Yeah. And you just get this movie or in Shit's Creek a TV show that like really just makes you fall in love with it because it's just so enjoyable like all around. No, yeah. So good. Taika Taika's a, a ma- Did you ever see Thor Ragnarok? Um, I think I've I saw it or parts of it. <laughs> oh, really? That is that the time where you started kind of getting off of the superhero train? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like once you get into like the second or third movie of a superhero, I'm I lose interest. Oh man, because that's I mean, Taika directed Thor three, right? So I I bet if you haven't seen that, I bet you would enjoy that one a lot. Is more. that like there's a big fight in like a junkyard? Um, well, like an arena. Oh yeah, junkyard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen it. And he and Taika voices one of the characters, like a big yeah. rock thing or something. Frog, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I think that was like one of the only reasons I watched it was. Oh really? Because it was directed by Taika Waititi. So you knew Taika before Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Really? So you had been um, probably introduced to this film before then. I, th- I think so, because this was before Ragnarok, right? And what we do in the shadows, did you watch that before as well? Um, the vampire thing? Yeah, I think that I watched parts of what we do in the shadows when I was like younger. I didn't, I hadn't seen the whole thing, oh. but I had like um, a roommate in college who really loved Hunt for the Wilder People. So okay. I think that I, that's how I was first exposed to Taika Waititi. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because yeah, yeah, Thor. I think I watched Thor Ragnarok, and and I was just like, holy crap! Like a good Thor film. This is hard to come by. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so then I got intrigued, just like who who did this? And it was Taika. And it's like, oh, I want to check out uh, 
maybe some other things that he did. So then I watched Hunt for the Wilder People and and that World War II uh, film, uh, Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> I watched that one as well. And I was just like, wow, this guy, he's just got that that secret sauce, man. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I really enjoy a lot of stuff that Taika Waititi makes. It's just like the humor really meshes with my own. And then also his ability to like tell a story that's like very emotional but like it's sad it's funny it's heartwarming it's thought-provoking like he just is really really good at like a lot of different types of storytelling where a lot of times you have directors who like they can only do comedies or they can only do action or they can only do mysteries or whatever but I just feel like he's so good at just really getting you invested in the characters and just like falling in love with everyone that he like creates and like even even when there are sad moments, like when Bella dies in the film, mm-hmm. um, there's still like comedic lines that are that are surrounding it. So like you're not staying sad for too long, to be honest. One of, that's another one of uh, the favorite moments of mine is when Ricky's like talking to Heck, and I think at that point it's known that Ricky's gonna have to go back like by April first or something like that. I don't know, and uh, Ricky's like trying to convince him to let him stay and like they can be partners and they can go in the wilderness and all this stuff blah 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 and then ricky's ricky suggests to heck they have like loads of brides that you can get on the internet and this is literally like the day after the funeral i think (laughs) and then you can see heck's just like really upset and then uh ricky's like too soon (laughs) it's like it's the day after dude um that that made me laugh so hard um yeah pretty messed up but i mean he's a kid so he's not really thinking too hard yeah and they do the one thing i really liked about ricky's character is like he is such a good example of at least in my experience when i was a kid like you think that everything you do or say is like super cool or like Mm. gonna you know make you famous or it's super funny and like when you're on the outside looking into that you're like why would you ever think this you know like yeah I just think like with the bird, you know, he's like, oh, we're going to get famous. And he just sort of immediately jumps to like how great and amazing this is going to make him and stuff. And that's just like not how the world works. But (laughs) like they just do such a good job of like really reflecting sort of that like childhood innocence in him as a character and just like him thinking that he's going to do all these great things. And it's going to be super easy to survive in the bush. But it's like real life is a lot harder. But they just he just embodies that like childhood naivete. Yeah, which which is another thing that I really enjoy it as well as is the actual realistic nature of like how he acts and how the adults in his life uh, react to to whatever he's saying because like Bella's obviously supposed to be the only one, at least at first, that really wants Ricky around, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and Hex says that later on, just like Bella's the one that wanted you, but even she has like a breaking point every once in a while because. Uh, when they're like skinning the ferrets or whatever they are, and he just keeps going on and on, uh, like with his haikus and stuff like that, and she's like, "Okay, that's enough haikus for today." <laughs> like we could, which is just so realistic because I feel like in a lot of, well, there's two things I think with like kids. Number one, I feel like sometimes people write two adult lines for kids, and so they don't really sound like kids anymore, which is why Taika did a you know smart thing by just casting someone that actually seemed like Ricky because he knew that he would probably get lines out of him that are very kid like and and then two the adults are like way too either like they're completely against them or they're like way too accepting of their stupid behavior which is like i mean yeah kids are 
kids are good. You know, kids are fun. They're funny. They have funny moments, but they're also really annoying a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I love my kids, but they get really annoying sometimes. And it's totally, <laughs> it's totally understandable for Bella to just be like, okay, we're done. <laughs> like, I yeah, can't like stop talking, this. skin this ferret. <laughs> yeah. And, and just, yeah, let's just sit here in silence for a little bit. But so that was just something that I really appreciated of how realistic that, that actually was with an, uh, an adult interaction with a kid. Yeah, I loved the scene where Bella is showing Ricky into his room and she's like, oh, there's a hot water bottle and a stuffed animal and a knife to kill any monster. <laughs> it's just like it's just such a good like look into her character, right? Like who gives a 13 year old like a super sharp knife to sleep with like what yeah. what is this it's just so fun you know it's like little moments like that that make yeah. this movie really stand out because you can really tell that like uh Taika Waititi put his whole heart into it. you know the writers like really they didn't want to just make a movie they wanted to make like a really really good movie yeah and you can feel that in like these really small details like I remember we were watching um a tv show recently and it was supposed to be like a comedy but it's like there were these moments where you're like oh it would have been so much funnier if like x or y had happened or had been said and like where you just sort of feel like they're just phoning it in they just wanted to like make a movie to make a movie but they weren't really that passionate about it but i just feel like little moments like that you can just really tell that like the production team like really wanted to make a really endearing movie and it, it, it shows up in those little details. Yeah, no. And I, I feel like it's, it makes sense, especially for like the area that they're in. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, a 13 year old is probably going to have a knife because I mean, you see Bella, like, like slaughter this, uh, boar, you know, right. Which in front was of him. so funny. That yeah. was <laughs> such a great scene. <laughs> yeah. The, the shots were hilarious. Like mm-hmm. closing in on the, on the, the knife in the hand. And then she wipes her face. Yeah. She wipes blood all over her face and stuff. And she just acts like it's this normal thing, which to her it is. But to him, it's like this mm-hmm. brand new, like. I just, which is so funny because he tries so hard to be like a gangster or whatever in in the way that he talks, but then he sees you know someone slaughter a boar in front of his face and he's just like he's traumatized, <laughs> like mm-hmm. almost at least uh, by the look of his face, which is just so funny. But that's such that's such a good scene, I think, um, to really show like what Bella is like. Like she's she's really bright and cheerful, and she has a sense of humor about her. But at the same time, like she has this, you know, uh, desensitized kind of personality towards the wild things that she has to do yeah. due to the nature of where they live, which is awesome. Yeah. And I, I definitely think like it's hard to sort of like articulate this thought, but I definitely think there's this underlying theme to this movie of like society tries to put people into boxes or tell people like, what they should be or who they are. And then, I mean, you see that with Ricky because Paula is sort of like, even at the very beginning, like nobody wants you. Like he's a problem child. He's a delinquent, like very much putting him in this sort of box that throughout the whole movie, you see him sort of trying to like struggle with, he's like struggling with it and he's trying to figure it out. You know, he talks about wanting to be a gangster and he talks about like, Oh, people like me, we only end up like driving like forklifts or something. I don't remember. So like, Mm. but when he goes to live with Bella and heck, 
he's able to sort of explore like who he really is and he's able to find out who he is. And I think that there's very much this like strong juxtaposition between like the quote unquote city where, which I think is sort of representative of society where it's just trying to fit people into boxes and then quote unquote the wild where people can just be who they are. Like you don't have to be this loving parent all the time who has endless patience for their child. Like we see that with Bella. She's really nice and she's really sweet to Ricky, but also she's like, stop talking. And then the next scene she jumps down and kills a boar. Like she's just who she is fully. And that's not a stereotype. And it's not like some sort of, uh, categorization of her. Like she's just existing as she is. And I really, really like that, that theme. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about, um, if there was any change in her personality whatsoever, at least outwardly, um, when Ricky shows up, because Bella and Ricky are like, they're almost like the same person in my head, you know, by the way that they act a lot. Like, obviously, Ricky's a kid, so he gets a little more annoying. But like, as far as the things that they enjoy, and what they think are funny and stuff like that, they seem to have the same kind of zest for life and sense of humor, in my opinion. Like, what is heck? What did heck see in in Bella, like in general, if she has a pretty similar personality like if if he's so annoyed by ricky at the beginning like was she different before ricky showed up at all or you know what i mean like what mm-hmm. what do you think that he saw in her yeah i mean i think that like what t- this is at least sort of the interpretation that i have is like mm. heck saw in bella the fact that like she didn't judge him and she didn't mm take that categorization that society had forced on him and see him as that thing. Cause you learn later that he committed manslaughter and that he was in prison. Yeah. And he even says like, they're not going to see this as anything but like this ex convict who kidnapped a child. You know, he's very much aware of like how society is going to view him and like force him into a box. Mm-hmm. But I think what he sees with Bella is that she doesn't let apply that label to him and she lets him be him and she lets him, you know, be grumpy and she lets him be very like serious and sort of isolated and stuff. And she doesn't try to force him to change. And I, something I think is like really interesting is they're married for who knows how long, but she never forced him to learn how to read. Oh yeah. She didn't try to say like, hey, you have to do X, Y, or Z thing in order to be a good person or to be a good citizen or to be a good man. Like she took him with all of his quote unquote flaws and she took him with all of his like issues and his benefits and she just like let him be. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is like really, really powerful. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like for relationships to work, like even if even if you don't have a lot of similarities, it's more of like the respect for each other and, and what you actually like to do mm-hmm. that I think really makes things work. Because if you can at least like show an interest in the fact that, you know, your significant other likes whatever it is and and mm-hmm. and maybe put on a face like, oh, yeah, that's exciting or whatever, you know, just like showing that kind of support. I think that's a pretty big part of it. So. So I guess it's just funny to me that he doesn't seem to get as annoyed with her <laughs> as as he does Ricky. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's just because of his childlike uh, qualities or something like that. Maybe it's just an annoying version of 
of her to him. <laughs> yeah, to me, to me, Bella is representative of like unconditional love, mm, yeah. of like loving another human being and accepting them fully as they are without trying to change them or make them do something or meet certain expectations. And mm. you even see that with Ricky when yeah. Ricky tries to run away. She doesn't get mad. She doesn't yell at him. She doesn't tell him that's a wrong thing to do. She's literally like, oh, if you want to run away tomorrow, like run away tomorrow. You know, she just lets Ricky exist how he needs to exist at that time. And that I think is why Ricky ends up opening up to her and feeling loved by her and being accepted into the family because Ricky and heck to an extent are coming from these worlds where they are labeled as criminals they're labeled as convicts as problem makers as our troublemakers you know and bella doesn't see any of that she doesn't care about any of that she just loves them for who they are and i think that's really like a beautiful message and i think you see that too there's a part where bella and ricky are like walking on a hill somewhere and Ricky says something about wanting to like shoot some horses and then he wants to like ride the horses and Bella says something like nobody can ride them. They're too wild. Why do we need to ride them anyway? Mm. And to me, that is very much like an underlying message here of like, why do we need to turn these horses into food or turn them into domesticated animals? Like, why can't we just let them exist? Yeah. People are allowed to exist in a space where they exist, you know? And I think Bella is, that's what she, that's what her, she embodies that unconditional love. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, well, she didn't let the boar exist, but I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but no, yeah. And, and, you know, going even further, like of uh, how Bella and Ricky are a lot alike, I would also say that Ricky's pretty quick to love as well, because like even, it's not like he had a great relationship with Heck at all, probably. Like, he probably had little interaction with Heck until up until Bella dies. And even then, he's still totally willing. He's to- totally willing to t- continue living with Heck. Whereas, like, I think a lot, like, me as a kid, I definitely, I guess maybe with different experiences, I would have been different. But with the person personality that I have, I would have been like, you scare me, man. Like I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I probably would have been happy to get out of there because Bella's really the only thing to look forward to and mm-hmm. Zag, but, um, not Zig. Then you get another, or no, not Zag. Oh, it's Tupac. Tu- Tupac. There it is. Yeah. Zag's, a um, the other Hex, dog. yeah. Hex dog. Yeah. But you see that with, you see that with Ricky. He's, he's really quick to love and also pretty much in the same way as like, he doesn't try to, change heck at all like he doesn't really care he just mainly just wants heck's approval really and that's something that heck needs to overcome for sure yeah yeah i agree i mean i think that when ricky and heck their relationship first starts i don't think ricky necessarily loves heck i think he just sees heck as a way for him to avoid going back into juvie or back into the system yeah and then i think we sort of have talked about this already but like their relationship really develops and changes over the movie. Um, But I think at the beginning of it, it's very much like a transactional relationship where they are around each other because they need them for something. And by the end of it, they're around each other because they want to be around each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love the birthday scene. Yes, it's so cute. It's so good. That's a, that's a, uh, the song is just so great. And, 
And it's one of the most memorable parts of this film that I, you know, I think of often, like maybe once a week or something where the whole line where she's singing the song to, to Ricky and she's just like, um, once rejected, now accepted. <laughs> and, and it's so brilliant because you see Ricky's face go down to a frown with the rejected part and then <laughs> a, a big smile again with the <laughs> yeah with the accepted part. And then they're singing along together. It's just so good. It's yeah, like I love the film as a whole for sure, and everything's just great. The moment that Bella dies, like the first time that I watched this, I was so I was like heartbroken. I'm like, oh, like he finally found someone, and then she just dies. But obviously, that's the whole point of the film. But yeah, it was just like all the all the moments that they had together were just so, it, very few of them, but they were all so good and mm-hmm. uh, just so heartwarming, just really sweet. Yeah, and the fact of like. Like, uh, if you're going to run away, just make sure you're back by supper or uh, by yeah. breakfast. It's so good. It's just so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm so fascinated by Bella's character as well. We don't get a whole lot because she dies in the first act. But yeah. you learn later that she, you know, she told Ricky, oh, I'm from this place where the lakes touch the sky or whatever. And then uh, you learn that Hex says, you know, she didn't know where she was from. She didn't have any family. Mm. And then Ricky sort of realizes, oh, maybe she, you know, she sort of like lied to me about her own upbringing. But Mm. there's just something about Bella that I just find really endearing because when you learn that, that she didn't really come from anywhere, she doesn't really know where she's from. Like you can tell that she probably had a really difficult upbringing too. I mean, Mm. that's got to be really hard, but she, for whatever reason, was able to turn that into this really loving home for both heck and for Ricky and then also for her. And so I just really, really enjoyed her character and just like how much love she brought into it. And I think that because of her, we get the whole rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What did you think about the scene uh, where they encounter the hunters in the first place? And there's the whole just like insinuation <laughs> that that heck is a pervert. Did you, was yeah. that a good one for you? Oh, I love that. It was so funny. <laughs> and I think that that just goes back to like Ricky being really naive and being a child, you know? Yeah. But I just love all the things he's like, it was hard at first because my hands were so soft <laughs> and I wanted him to like play with me, but sometimes he would just make me play by myself and <laughs> or play with myself. He would yeah. Play with say. myself. It just sounds yeah. so bad. Yeah. It's hilarious because the words pervert even come up in that entire conversation. It's not until after it all that Heck doesn't even really say anything. It's like, don't you think that that would come out wrong? And then he like puts it all together. It's like, really? You didn't put it together when pervert was thrown around? <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is so funny. Like when Heck attacks him and like yeah. drags him off the table, that scream. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Um, and then I love when... Ricky grabs a gun and he like shit just got real with like as he's like reloading and stuff. It's so good. Yeah, perfectly cued to each word. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Which almost plays off of the whole I actually really love the haiku thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's just you know, like that's just such a clever thing that you don't ever see, you know? And it's just this funny little um thing that ends up being really heartwarming in the end, which is one of my favorite I'll, I'll mention it later, I think, but uh, one of my favorite quotes of the entire film when uh, uh, Heck does his haiku at the very end. But it's uh, it's like that that cocking of the gun is almost 
<laughs> or getting it ready to shoot is is almost like a haiku right there. <laughs> so poetic. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I love I love that scene as well. One of one of the best for sure. Did you when you first watched the film? I guess you probably won't be able to remember, and I don't even think I could remember as well. Like when Heck had Ricky read that whole letter from Child Services and all that stuff in the first place. Like, did you did you think in your head, oh, does he not know how to read, or were you surprised at all? Do you think? Um, I don't remember the first time I watched it. The second time around, I mean, I could I didn't remember that he didn't know how to read, but okay, I was like, oh, I wonder if he can't read, but. I don't remember. I don't know if that was influenced by yeah. Oh me yeah, it before yeah yeah. I didn't remember until he asked him to read it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He can't read or something like that. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember either because I watched this movie a couple years ago, I think. And and uh, I want to say that I was like surprised and it's like, oh, he can't read. And uh, yeah, that's like the only time that Ricky really. Uh, is kind of an a hole a little bit because he really makes him feel like a piece of junk for not knowing how to read. Yeah. Then again, that's another funny, that's another funny line because like Bella's so sweet and so caring, but at the beginning when Ricky first comes to the house and Bella's just like, "Oh, are you hungry? Oh, what am I saying? Of course you're hungry. Like look at you or whatever," because <laughs> he's overweight. And she's like, "Whoa, Bella, that was funny though." And you could tell that Ricky was a little like, "Oh," <laughs> but that was just a funny. It's like at the same time, I feel like it's okay because. Um, it's not like she's like super skinny either. So yeah, yeah, that part was. I mean, it was kind of entertaining. It is like, oh, that's kind of rude, you know. But <laughs> yeah. one thing, another thing I really liked about Bella is like, she doesn't really shy away from things that might be hard for, uh, like Ricky to deal with. Like you mentioned, the song and that once rejected, now accepted. Like I think it's really easy for us to like not want to bring up really difficult stuff like that. We're like, oh, we don't want to like hurt their feelings or we don't want to like make them, you know, I don't want to like address this really hard thing or bring it up. But like part of healing and part of like learning to like love yourself and like learn who you are is like being able to sit with those really hard moments, you know? And so I really like that instead of sort of like shying away from it and just being like, oh, everything's perfect now. And Ricky, everyone's some, you've always been loved and blah, blah, blah. Like she, she acknowledges it. Like, yeah, there's these really hard things you've been through. You, you have been rejected quite a bit, but like the future is like bright and the future holds good things for you. And I really like that, that she doesn't sort of like ignore those really hard or bad things. You know, she doesn't like ignore Ricky running away and just like pretend that it never happened. Like she just very much is just lets people exist. And I really, really enjoyed that about her. Yeah. I enjoy that about her as well, because I feel like I don't think I was influenced by this movie at the time. Cause I think I always had this kind of perspective or this kind of idea on raising kids or whatever. But with our uh, daughter, Callie, she's, she just started, um, uh, doing dance lessons and stuff once a week, which is actually I haven't been able to see it because just always during the day when I'm working and stuff. But just the idea of it's super cute. Whenever she does a recital, that'll be fun to watch. But she was super nervous, and this is kind of something that I decided a long time ago. It's just like I'm just gonna kind of tell it how it is. We'll see how it ends up turning out when she gets older. If that's ends up damaging her, <laughs> but I have no idea. To me, I think it's it's kind of like what you're saying with Bella. I I think it's. Um, a good thing to just kind of tell it how it is, but also bring in like kind of a up, uplifting message at the end or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because like she, she was super worried about 
like, oh, I'm going to mess up in front of all these people, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and my teacher's going to be mad at me and stuff like this. And I'm just like, your teacher's not going to be mad at you. Number one, you wouldn't need dance class if you already knew how to do everything. <laughs> so you're going to mess up, kid. Like, you're probably going to mess up. And that's totally fine. Like, that's the point of dance class. Your, your teacher's not going to get mad at you. She's going mm-hmm. to help you and, and tell you what, you're, what you can do to end up getting it right or whatever. So it's, it's totally okay. Whereas, like, I feel like a lot of other parents... Not a lot, like or not like most, but you know, some other parents are probably going to go about it like, "No, you'll do great. Everything's going to be great, honey." And I, mm-hmm. like, to me, I personally feel like that could end up being more damaging For, because oh, 100%. because then they they believe that they could do it, and then once they mess up, it's like I was supposed to do great, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like that's that's a problem, at least for me. I don't know. No, but. I totally agree with that. Like, and that's something that I've had to work through with my own like personal development is mm. like learning that it's okay to like not be okay. Yeah. At times, like both mentally and emotionally, but also like it's okay like not to be good at activities. And I think yeah. it's really hard, especially nowadays. I just feel like there's so much pressure, especially on like young people and like young kids to like excel at everything that they do or as an adult like if you have a hobby you're supposed to like monetize it and like make money off of it and (laughs) like turn it into a business or whatever like talking about films (laughs) just talking about everything (laughs) yeah yeah sure but you know just like there's just this like part of uh, our culture of you have to be good at everything and it's like unacceptable not to be like good at it and we need to like let people ex- like have that space to like not be good. And so I think that your yeah. approach of like, look, like, of course you're not gonna, you like, of course you might make a mistake because you're learning and yeah. that's like part of the process. And I think just like having someone else tell us that like, it's okay to like make mistakes, um, even in like really serious settings, like that's very, that's like a, a big relief. Like I remember um, at work a while ago, I was like training um, a coworker on this new task. And mm. every time I mentioned like, oh yeah, this could like be a little bit better or like this might need improvement or something. There was like, I could tell that she was like really resistant to that because to me, I was sort of seeing it as her being like, oh, I did this thing wrong. Therefore, like I'm a bad person or I'm stupid or I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like we as humans make mistakes and we aren't perfect. And that doesn't mean that like we're bad people. That doesn't mean that we're like evil people or dumb people or whatever. Like mm-hmm. humans make mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another thing that I'm, I'm trying to keep in mind as well. It's like just the more that I look at my oldest daughter is uh, the more I see me in her, which is sort of a bummer because like I can't, I have a really hard time, like I have a lot of different interests and I have a really hard time focusing on an interest and getting really good at it. And uh, it bums me out personally because I feel, I I just wish that I could focus on something and just get really good at it. And I can tell that that's going to probably be the same for her because she has a million different interests, but things don't come super easy to her. So I, I, I tell her that too. It's just like, hey, you're a lot like me. You're probably going to need to work a little harder <laughs> for it to, to be good at things, which is totally fine. Like, no big deal. Yeah. Like, there's other people where everything just comes naturally to them, and you're going to want to be like that, but this is probably going to be the way that it goes. And to me, it's like, if you know that now, going into it, hopefully that'll help you, because it, it took me all the way until, like, I don't know, what am I? I'm, like, 28 right now, right? 
I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Probably. And uh, I think it took me all the way to like 26 to understand like, yeah, like things don't come easy to you. You have way too many interests and that messes you up <laughs> a mm-hmm. little bit, but it is what it is. And I feel like if she can know that about herself now, that uh, that's going to help her in the long run. That's another yeah. thing that I feel like older generations, I feel like don't like sharing a lot about their personalities because maybe it yeah. makes them feel weak or something like that and, and things that maybe they struggled with. And um, I feel like that's just like, man, if I, well, I mean, I, I'm okay. Like things are going good in my life or whatever, but like there's probably other, I, I don't want to talk bad about my parents, but, um, and I don't really have anything bad to say about them, to be honest. I think they're wonderful people and I love them very much. But like, there's probably, there's probably things that like, like maybe this whole lack of understanding, like what I should focus on and all that stuff that might come from my parents. And maybe that would have been a good thing to know <laughs> growing up that maybe would have mm-hmm. helped me. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. There's no way of telling, but I'm very interested in seeing how this plays out for my daughter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that like, no matter how well-intentioned our parents are, we're always going to be messed up. <laughs> well, and parents parents make mistakes. Like, no one... Yeah. It wasn't until last... Like, I think last year I made the connection. I, I talked to my parents and I was just like, you know what I'm just realizing? Like, <laughs> I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And you guys probably... Like, as a kid, you think your parents know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to my parents. I'm like, you guys didn't know what you were doing, did you? <laughs> right? Like, and they're wait just a second. Like, and they're just like, no, we didn't know how to do taxes. We didn't know how to do this. Just like you yeah. didn't know or, you know, had to figure it out. I'm like, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> like finally making that connection. Parents are just piecing it together too. And we're all making mistakes. Everyone. Yeah. And that's like like a natural byproduct of being humans that live on the earth is like, we're going to make mistakes and we're not going to, we're not going to know how to do things. And our actions are going to harm other people. And like, we'll be harmed by other people's actions and lots of different things. But like that point of life, at least to me, isn't to like avoid all of those negative interactions and encounters. It's to experience them, hold the emotions that you need to hold. And then, move on from them and grow from them because like to think that oh my spouse is never gonna disappoint me my parents are never gonna upset me my coworkers are never gonna annoy me like that's just not a realistic way to move through life yeah and so if you can you know like you've said with your daughter like if you can just set expectations of like you know what things are gonna be hard sometimes and like (laughs) that's okay and i think too like something that i've had to unlearn quite a bit of is like productivity culture Mm. like growing up I very much was like instilled by like family and religious organizations and school and jobs and stuff like oh your value is very much determined by like the amount of work you do or like Mm. what type of work you do you know like oh you need to hold a respectable job and you need to you know have a house and make x amount of money and like the more money you make the more respectable you are yada 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 and I've had to really unlearn that like it's okay if I'm having a low energy day for me to like watch TV for longer than I normally would. Or like, it's okay for me to not be like productive in the sense of like making money or like doing something useful with my time. I am a human and I need to rest sometimes. And that is important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A couple of things you said, uh, I just kind of had thoughts on or whatever. Well, number one, just like 
like everyone's making mistakes and all that stuff. And, and, and yeah, like going back to uh, well-intentioned, whatever, you know, advice and stuff like that and the way that you're trying to raise your kids and whatnot. But I think even if you do make mistakes, what really makes it a, a, like what really makes it different impact over time is owning up to everything that you do. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like maybe you made a mistake as a parent or you made a mistake as a kid or whatever, like just owning up to it and realizing it and uh, just moving forward. Like what we said with Bella and all that stuff, just like just owning, owning it and moving forward with a positive attitude and a positive outlook on, on yeah. trying to make a better future. Yeah. And I think that that is like a really strong theme in this movie of like giving people grace and giving people mm. like mercy and compassion. Because if you look at both Ricky and Heck through the lens of their legal records, like they're troublemakers and they're ex-convicts and yeah. All this different stuff, but like if you take people as a whole, as who they are holistically, like people are so much more than the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People are capable of change for sure as well. Yeah. And yeah, I just remember the second thing, like it, what comes from like previous episodes of the show, going back to Whiplash, uh, everyone's idea of success is different. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, what you were talking about with like, you know, you need to work a respectable job, all that stuff or whatever. If all you want, want out of life, I think is, is having an apartment and working, you know, however much you need to, to be able to afford that and going to a movie every once in a while. And you don't really care about going on vacations or whatever the heck. (laughs) If that's your idea of success and what do I care? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's totally it's totally okay. It's so easy to like let the world define your values and define who you are or who you should be. And this movie to me is really like an exploration of the self. Mm-hmm. Really coming to like learn what you want and who you are. And it's really easy to let society define that for you. It's really easy to say, oh, you know, having a six-figure job and owning a 200-square-foot house and having two and a half kids and the white picket fence, yada, yada. Like, those are everything that's important to me. <laughs> Hold on, 200-square-foot house? That's the or, smallest. Sorry, 2,000. <laughs> 200 here in the D.C. area. Maybe yeah, okay. that's a... <laughs> Six um, figures gets you 200 square feet. That's <laughs> that's terrible. Keep going. Yeah, that's that's that'll be the dream in like 2050 when yes everything's not affordable. But um, but yeah, I mean, just like that idea of like it's so easy to let society determine what's important to us and who we are. And to me, this whole movie is just about like letting yourself and letting those around you like just be who they want to be mm-hmm. and let letting them just have that space to figure things out. Yeah, and, and and enjoying what you have and what's around you because like Ricky didn't think that he wanted this, you know, nasty rundown house, but in the end he he ends up loving it and he loves heck and he mm-hmm. loves the the lifestyle for sure. And he just wants to be even though like the wilderness is absolutely opposite of what he's probably, you know, wanted uh, in his mind for so long. The wilderness like he just it's like it's he's he's able to be free. Oh, what a good film. What do you think about the car chase? You know, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It feels like such a strange ending to this movie yeah. because yeah. like, what? <laughs> um, There's like a lot of stuff I have to say about that. Like, the I think the most obvious question I have is like, why did Heck 
let Ricky drive because <laughs> he was already in the driver's seat. I think I, that's I think that's really what it came down to. You know? I know, but like, and he didn't have time to argue with this kid that was already mm-hmm. in there. I think. I think it is very symbolic, though, of like, like a lot of different stuff. But like mm-hmm. Ricky, sort of this being an adventure about like Ricky learning who he is. I also mm-hmm. think that there is some sort of like logistical stuff to it because. Heck, driving a vehicle with v- Ricky in it is looks a lot worse than yeah. Ricky driving a vehicle with Heck in it. Like, True. it almost to me, it was sort of like Heck's way of telling the police, like, "Look, I'm not forcing him to be here. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's literally in the driver's seat at this moment." You know? Yeah. Although maybe it looks bad that Ricky shoots Heck in the tush. <laughs> later on like he's trying to kill his uh yeah. captor molester <laughs> yeah. oh my dude that's so <laughs> ricky it's just so funny because ricky you know that he's outwardly yelling that he's a molester because in his mind it's gonna force heck to keep going on the rung because he can't go back now because they they think he's a molester now but i just love like it's just like that juvenile mind, and then I just love mm-hmm. um, Hex, like like this desperation, like no, <laughs> I'm not. It's just so good, and then he ends up shooting him, like it looks so bad. And oh, that's another funny thing with Paula is um, when Ricky's making it look like he's gonna shoot Heck, Paula's just like, do it. <laughs> it's like she desperately wants this man to die. It seems. Like. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh... I think Heck says, what are you going to do? Shoot me. And then it cuts to Paula and she's like, do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is, it's such a good scene. Yeah. No, that's really good. And then it's great because uh, the police officer. Andy. Andy. Yeah, yeah. Andy, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, He, he's like, he doesn't seem to care like at all. Like I, and at first. At first, I was just like, oh, I don't think he really cares about what's going on. He's just looking for not having to do his regular duties or something like that because he's just constantly eating the uh, mix, the mix, like the trail mix and stuff <laughs> the like trail that. trail mix. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then, um, but you could see, though, he's just focused on the right things. Like, he just knows that this is all absurd and he's just kind of along because he's probably just tasked to do it. But... Um, at the end, he's the only one that's actually looking out for like potential threats because he's the one that gets the hunter like at the mm-hmm. last second before he's about to shoot Heck. So like he he is on the job. He just knows that everything else that they're doing is absolutely absurd. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny too because it almost makes it seem like he and Paula should switch jobs. <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. he has Ricky's safety in mind yeah. more than Paula does. Paula wants to see like. Uh, Hector gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting by, too. By a kid. This is going to traumatize this kid for the rest of his life that he killed a man. But she's okay with that because it's what she wanted. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. So this is kind of interesting. Yeah. What you're you're pretty good at stuff like this. So I have a question like Uh-oh. when it panned out to show the rest of the junkyard? Yeah. I felt like there was symbolism there because was it just me, or did a, did a lot of the vehicles in the junkyard look like red cars or and red trucks? Okay, so, um, well, number one, when I saw the panned out, I'm like, this is one of the largest junkyards I've ever seen, <laughs> probably. Like, this is absurdly huge. But Even bigger than Iron Giant's junkyard? <laughs> yeah, Iron Giant would have had a field day, dude. He would have loved that. <laughs> but 
I actually, I honestly, I didn't really put together the fact that you mentioned that there are a lot of red cars. I wasn't actually paying attention to that, but there's maybe there weren't. That's well, why I was going to ask you because you pay attention to colors and stuff more than I do well, usually. That actually makes sense, though. I'm not sure if I wrote down. I'm not sure if I wrote this down in my notes, but I did see through the trivia that the that I think is a Toyota, that red Toyota, it's like from the 1980s, is actually pretty significant in New Zealand culture or something like that. Like there was apparently there was actually a part of that whole chasing that was a shot for shot remake of a commercial for that same Toyota truck Weird. back in the 1980s, apparently. So this deep cut joke, basically, for New Zealanders. And I bet you they love stuff like that, though, like yeah. an inside joke that yeah. their whole country can enjoy for like even when it's like an international film. Like, yeah, I bet you that's really fun. So p- I didn't pay attention to the cars, but maybe a lot of them were that same. Um, it's like famous for New Zealand or something like that. I think there was also like a pretty famous New Zealander that drove that same truck or something like that. It was a big. Oh, wait there. Hold on. Oh no, yeah, that was just a chasing thing. Yeah, I think there was a pretty famous guy that that um, drove that truck as well, or something. So I think it's just a big part of New Zealand culture. So does that truck like represent anything culturally, or it's just like a really famous icon, but it doesn't really have any um, yeah. like emotional or societal significance? Do you know? No, yeah, I think I think it's just a cultural like. Okay. Yeah. Because just- like here in the U.S., it's like a truck sort of represents like freedom, you know. Oh yeah, sure. Which is probably like, I mean, he slipped a few American ideals in there. So, yeah. and obviously Ricky like wanted to yell freedom in a blaze of glory or whatever the heck. Yeah. 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 I just wasn't sure if it was like, oh yeah, this is like a truck that represents like family. Cause the commercial had a bunch of families in it or whatever. So, oh. cause well, I mean, the reason I ask is because I don't know, like my literary analysis radar went off when the camera panned mm-hmm. because it felt like there was something like trying to be symbolic there because Mm -hmm. like you have this whole relationship between Ricky and Hector that sort of um, evolved and changed over the whole movie. And then they have this chase scene and it ends in a red car in a junkyard with like other like red cars or like other cars in general. And I just felt like something about like their relationship like or like their journey together ending in a place where like vehicles go to die that felt like really Hmm. symbolic but i don't really i can't put my finger on it or like articulate like what it meant you know yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't see anything um and i didn't i didn't really think about it so uh yeah i have no idea my guess is it's just because it's just a funny deep cut joke <laughs> but but maybe not. I mean, regardless of the the red truck and specifically, I think I think their journey coming to an end in a junkyard is very symbolic, right? Yeah. Of like, there's all of these other vehicles here, like maybe uh, representative of like other outcomes that could have happened if Bella didn't die or if Hector didn't go into the woods with or the bush with him or whatever. Mm. But I think there is definitely something very symbolic about their journey ending in a, in a junkyard. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think about it that deep, to be honest. <laughs> maybe I should that's have. Just, that's just my English minor <laughs> popping out. Yeah, it's good. I mean, hey, in, in whether it's intentional or unintentional, if that's something that you got out of it and, it and you value it, then that's totally fine. Also, we didn't even talk about Psycho Sam. I was just about to bring him up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Psycho Sam. Well, number one, here was a funny thing that I saw because I, I don't think I remember seeing or noticing this on the first watch through, but like he's cooking like this, this animal, whatever, in that like walk or something. And you could, if you, if you look, like it's still moving a little bit. <laughs> it's a hundred percent alive. Yeah. And like not even skinned. Like, like what, yeah. how are you going to eat that thing? Dude, he's a psycho. He's, he likes the hair. I don't know. Maybe he likes the hair in his mouth. Ugh. That's disgusting. Yeah, Psycho Sam's hilarious. Also, I thought it was funny. Like, obviously, it's just a funny movie or whatever, but like, why does he have a bed and then a set of bunk beds? Like, I don't know why he would need all this. I was those beds. literally <laughs> thinking the same thing when I watched that. I'm like, yeah. you live in a 200 foot trailer square yeah. foot trailer you know and you have three beds like yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like you could have had a better use of your space here that's no, great that guy's nuts too like i love <laughs> i love when they first meet him and he's in the bush and he's he's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you ever heard of a someone named psycho sam yeah no well my name's sam <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then he feeds them those like Christmas cookies from probably 20 years ago. And uh, Ricky's just blow. I love how Ricky's just like, he just blows off the <laughs> the dust that's been collecting over decades. And like, he's just still going to eat it. Cause he's that hungry. Um, so good. So good. Um, and then I love, oh, we'll use the underground bunker, you know? And then he goes mm-hmm. over to it and uncovers. It's like, Oh, I haven't dug it yet. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Or whatever. That's as big. That's his big moment of realization. He's like finally having this crisis or something when he should have had it a long time ago. And then what was, uh, oh, there's another thing. Oh, he thinks that playing dead is going to be the great, <laughs> their, their great way of out, outsmarting the cops. It's so good. Or the government. It was, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about Psycho Sam? Um, Nothing in specific. I just, I feel like it's such like a nugget that you get to meet him at the very end because <laughs> yeah. like it's really not that necessary yeah. to meet him no. but it's just so fun that we get to yeah I like the only thing that really comes out of that that's like a pretty good like character uh, arc moving thing or whatever is uh, the haiku that like the personal haiku that Ricky ha- or, uh, says to Heck and then Heck you know actually likes it or whatever and and yeah, shows him and actually tells him that he likes it, you know. Yeah, like I've never heard my name in a haiku before. Like, I liked it, so it was a nice little moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually reminded me because, like, Psycho Sam's in the room or whatever while that whole heartwarming <laughs> scene's going on. But that reminded me of because we didn't really talk about Kahu and and TK, their whole reaction or their interaction in, in that house, and um. The whole sausage thing, like like every that's the only food they have apparently in the house. But I love the I love the I usually I get really uh, cringed out when there's like singing like of any sort, like with a guitar and trying to make it all sound good and stuff like that. That makes me cringe a lot. But it's just funny how um, Kyle starts singing and then. The camera's been only panned on uh, Ricky and Kahu the whole time, and then all of a sudden TK joins in and starts <laughs> singing with them, and, and that's we finally realize, oh, he's been in the room the whole time <laughs> during this probably really serious conversation, and <laughs> he's just chilling there. What do you think about TK? What do you think about the dad? Because like, is, is he a good dad or not? Like, I don't. <laughs> he seems pretty irresponsible. I think. 
it's like hard to pin down like what a good parent is, but I mean, he very clearly like loves his daughter. I feel like he enjoys being around her and stuff. I mean, I would say that he seems just kind of like a man child. Yeah. Like he's just sort of like drinking and hanging out, watching the game type thing. And then when he sees Ricky, all he wants to do is like take pictures, you know, like very much just sort of like doesn't seem super responsible, but um, I mean, again, I think it sort of goes back to like, what needs is he providing for his daughter? Like he's, you know, giving her physical shelter, giving her food. I think that you can see that he loves her. Um, So, I mean, in that sense, yeah, he seems like a good dad, but I could also see him being very like forgetting to pay the energy bill or (laughs) a lot of the responsibilities of like just existing and living, having to fall on his daughter. But I don't know. That actually makes me think a little bit because... Hex says quite often that Bella ran the show, right? He just did mm-hmm. some stuff for her, but like in reality, he was doing everything or she was doing everything. And that seems actually pretty much across the board because Paula's running the show for no good reason. And <laughs> Kahu seems to be running the show even at her own house, and she's a kid. Um, it's just funny. Like, that's actually, yeah, I didn't really think about that until just now. Like, the women are running the show and, like, every single major part of this. Um, except for Sam. Sam's running the show in his house. I don't know. <laughs> He's the only male that's running the show in his house. I don't know. Is there, do you think there's, did you think that was, like, something that they were, that he was trying to get across at all in this film? Um, I mean, I did think a little bit about the gender yeah. dynamics because we sort of talked about Paula, like, her character is not one of a caregiver, right. but her role, her job, is definitely one that is sort of stereotyped as a caregiver. Like, you would hope that you're a good caregiver if your literal job is to, like, care for children. Yeah. And also, like, stereotypically, like, women are considered, like, the primary caregivers, right? right? Or, like, women are, like, gentler and more nurturing and all that different stuff, which... I don't know. I feel like um, I don't know if Taika Waititi is like trying to make a commentary mm-hmm. on that, but there's definitely like moments where women are sort of like forced into these caregiver roles where they like maybe shouldn't have to take that on, but it's like forced on them maybe again because society says like, oh, because you're a woman, like you're more nurturing than a man, or you are a better caregiver than a man. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, again, I don't really think that there was a whole lot of intentional commentary on that. But I did notice that as well that women tend to do the care- the caregiving in this yeah. in this movie. And as far as running the show or whatever, Kahu's like riding a horse, like like nobody's business. I love the part. I love the yeah. part when um, she's bringing Ricky back. And Ricky jumps off the horse and just lands right on his side. He doesn't really jump off. He kind of just like falls off. Like as the horse is moving, he just slides off. I love that it doesn't cut either. I love that you get the whole the whole shot of them riding in and then him falling. Like it just makes it so much funnier. I feel like I've seen that in a few shows before, and it's like it never. It's never not funny. It's so good every time. Yeah. That type of humor. I also really loved the reference when Heck and Ricky are being like hunted down by the SWAT team or whatever. And Ricky like mouths something. Oh, At yeah. least for me, it was unintelligible. 
I had no idea what he was trying to mouth. And then he eventually is like, I was trying to say that this is like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, It's like, really? That's your focus well, right that's, now? I actually turned to my wife during that. I'm like, oh, this is like Lord of the Rings. And then he starts mm-hmm. mouthing. I'm like, is he seriously saying that right now? And uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, that was, I totally forgot about that scene. So good. Yeah, which is funny because that's where Lord of the Rings was filmed. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. That was that was one of the trivia yeah. items. I didn't write it down, but it was like, yeah, that was uh, Lord of the Rings was well, it's yeah, Peter Jackson's a New Zealand New Zealander, right? Or oh, I swear he is. I Maybe no he's not. I don't know. He's like other. I did not know that Sam Neill was from New Zealand. I didn't know until I watched this film too. I totally thought he was American. I watched that whole movie yeah. and I was like. This main character looks really familiar. Like, he looks like the guy from Jurassic Park. (laughs) But I was like, he's American. He wouldn't have been in a New Zealand film. And then I was like, yes, oh. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that crazy? I didn't know either. Yeah. That was the craziest thing because I watched this film a long time ago, or not a long time ago, but a couple years ago. And then I remember trying to watch some interviews back then. And I saw, and he was talking. I'm like, no. No, that's crazy. This guy's American. What? Yeah, that's actually something, too, that it was almost like I was happy to find that out. For some reason, like, there's a show that we watch on Disney+. Plus. The The kids like it, and I think it's pretty funny for adults, too. It's called Bluey, and it's, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Do you have Disney+. Plus? I, I think I've seen it. Okay. I've seen, I, I, I think I know. It's a with the dog with or dogs. something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen reference to it. That show is actually really freaking funny to me. Like I, they do a really good job. But I, I just remember watching it once, and I turned to my wife, and I was just like, anything that has like an Australian or New Zealand accent in it is instantly funnier to me. Really? Like no matter what. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the accent. It's not like I think they're a joke or whatever, but for some reason, it's just the delivery of everything with that yeah. accent is way funnier to me. I do not know why. And then like. Maybe this is like all stereotyping or whatever, but but then what's like anytime I hear a British accent, they're instantly smarter than anyone else in the room. Like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. They could be a kid, like a six year old kid, and I'll be like, You're way smarter than me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely a stereotype. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a, a cultural <laughs> phenomenon. I don't know if necessarily stereotyping, but yeah, sure. the the thing about like Australian or New Zealand people being funnier i've never really heard it but i do agree with you i find like um just sort of like the tone or the cadence that they deliver a lot of the jokes makes a lot funnier Mm -hmm. i think part of the reason why is because to me it sort of reads as very punchy or sort of like uh just really blunt um and so it just to me reads a lot funnier but i don't know it's like super blunt and then also there's like this weird up tick in their voice like Mm -hmm. at the very end uh Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, like, yeah, it's always like everything almost sounds like it's in a form of a question at the end. It's, yeah, I love it. I don't know why. It just, it, it really gets me every single time. I love New Zealand. I, that'd be super cool to visit. I don't, that's actually me and my wife are, uh, wanting to go on like a, like a re, rekindling, uh, trip or something. We just haven't been on a vacation, just the two of us since our honeymoon. Which has been like oh wow yeah it's been like six and a half years so I think we're gonna go on a trip at the end of April because she's got a break in between school and all that stuff and man it would be cool to go to New Zealand we're not gonna be able to do that though <laughs> I was gonna say New Zealand is a great place to go is it though have you been so, yeah I've I went uh, like the year before the pandemic pretty much. <sighs> 
Um, and it was awesome. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was earlier than that. I don't remember, but yeah, I love it. I've done some traveling, oh, and New Zealand's my favorite place that I've ever been to. Really? Holy crap! Yeah. Now I have to. My go. My wife and I. My wife and I often joke slash seriously discuss moving to New Zealand because we loved it so much. Just do it. Just do it. I would honestly, I would move in a heartbeat really? if I had a job there like lined up. A hundred percent. I would move in a heartbeat. Wow. I, yeah. We were able to like explore it for like a week or so and we both just like fell in love. It's so it's so beautiful there. Is there like a Lord of the Rings tour there? <laughs> like go to There's actually a big like Hobbit yes. um like set you can visit. Yes. Oh dude, I gotta go. That would be like my Harry Potter world for my like my wife wants Harry like to go see Harry Potter World so bad, and that would be my Harry Potter world. 100%. There you go. Tell her you guys will do Harry Potter in April, and then next April, you guys will do New Zealand. I don't think we have the budget for that, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll do that at some point. We actually are kind of landing on, um, I think, Miami, Florida, I think. There's some packages on Expedia that are in our price range, so we might try to do that. But, man, that would be so cool. Anyway, I, how much how much more do you have? Because I, I do want to talk about Hex Haiku. I don't have a ton... I got sad when the dog died. Oh yeah, that was sad. Um, that part was so sad. You just shot him. I, I never like when dogs die. Like John it makes Wick. Makes me very sad. Yeah. I just had. I mean, I was the same way with you. The biggest chunk of my notes was just like funny stuff that happened or whatever. Yeah. Um, I loved the scene where they point their guns at the ranger at the hikers for the second time, yeah. and they're oh, like, yeah. "There's a bounty out for you." And Hex oh, yeah. like, how much? It's like ten thousand. And then Ricky's like, tell me when it gets to twenty. <laughs> yeah, and then they walk away. That's so good. Yeah, I also love the whole um, like diabetic ranger scene where yeah. uh, Ricky's like, are you gonna manslaughter him? <laughs> I don't know if I can be here for that. <laughs> That's right. And then I don't know if you noticed this, but when they when the hike when the ranger is rescued. And he's getting taken out of the, the hut. Paula's like yelling at him. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> yeah. but she's like yelling, like, "Where did they go? Yeah. I know you know something. Where are they?" And it's like this man is literally dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like diabetic or whatever. Like yeah. he's like in diabetic shock right now. Yeah. Like chill out, you know. And that's just another scene where she's like so intense, you know. Yeah. It's like calm down yeah. i love uh just going back to the hunters the second time in the forest when like they yell freeze and they literally like freeze right in their tracks that's hilarious and then when ricky is by himself in the wilderness and the leaves you know he's covering his face <laughs> with the leaves like <laughs> i see that that wouldn't have been funny to me except for the very end when he like runs off like he just is like flailing his arms <laughs> it's so good mm-hmm. that kid is comedic gold yeah he's really great at it i also love the suicide note that he leaves oh yeah that whole (laughs) thing dude (laughs) and then it's just like the cheapest like looking dummy or whatever yeah and then she's like this isn't a burnt orphan or something like that and (laughs) and he's like how do you know she's like does this look like a human face to you (laughs) i love i love the fact that like he goes to the trouble of all this stuff but of course he gets like this actual ceramic plate that's not gonna burn (laughs) so it's and it's it's like this garbage just like juvenile uh like face doodle on the plate it's yeah it's so again it goes back to like when a kid thinks that something they're doing is like so smart or like (laughs) oh I'm going to trick everybody with this. And it's like, so obviously like not a body. No. Yeah. It's hilarious. I remember watching that for the first time. Like, 
I started to crack it up at that. And then, of course, he ends up burning the entire barn down <laughs> because he wasn't thinking about the fact that all this gas is just going to catch the the wood on fire. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah that, yeah. that cracked me up so hard. And then didn't he pin the note to the barn? So that probably all burnt <laughs> up as well. <laughs> that's what I was wondering yeah. too. Cause I'm like this whole thing burned down. Yeah, no, the notes probably completely gone at that point. <laughs> oh so my gosh. Funny. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot to bring that, that whole scene up. Uh, yeah. So thank you. Honestly, this whole movie, there's like so many yeah. great scenes. It's like, you really just like have to watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, um, when he's reading the news report of the fact that they're fugitives and stuff in that one house, um, He's like, it says that you're a Caucasian. They got this whole thing wrong. They think you're Asian. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my gosh. Like I feel like comedy hasn't been nearly as funny um as it used to, personally. But this this movie is so good. Like it recaptures that, you know, that that magic that comedy in my mind used to have. So good. And it's not, yeah. it's not because it's PG 13. It's like, it's not super vulgar. It's not crazy. Kudos to Taika for being able to write such a brilliant film and such a funny film. I think, again, it goes back to the performances. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Really, just really well done all around. Great movie. Because, like, I love Shit's Creek, but that's a pretty vulgar show. Like, you know, they, yeah. they say a lot of F words and all that stuff. And, uh, but it's still really funny. But it's like, man, it's it's so hard to come by really good comedy that's not, you know, rated R or something like that, you know? Yeah, I agree. It it just does a really good job of catching a lot of different types of interests. It's New Zealand, man. It's it's all New Zealand. I, I give it all to the accent. <laughs> just kidding. Now the performance <laughs> is great. Okay, well, if you have nothing else, I want to see if there's any any other trivia that I haven't mentioned yet. I did see some trivia that all of the newscasters in the movie were like real New Zealand newscasters. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny to me. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I feel like they always do that. They always actually get like the real people or something for those. And they did a good job like acting like actual newscasters. I'm surprised. Like the acting was good, I think. Well, I mean, I feel like the acting very much is like this, like, conceptual oh there's these people on the run and they're looking for it just felt like very 60 minutesy it's like them trying to make this very like physical experience of being on the run in the bush like about freedom and about like <laughs> yeah. fighting for what you love it's like no these people are just on the run like yeah that's it and, the, and they're the only people i think in the entire film that calls out like it's like well it's important that the child safety is like put first right and she and then that's I don't I don't remember the whole interaction, but I just remember that. And she kind of like gets on the defensive. Yeah, like, I think you know. that the newscasters say something like um, because I think Paul is like, oh, he's a delinquent. And he's a lot of trouble. Yeah. And they're like, but he's also a kid. Oh, yeah. and We need to make sure that he's safe. And she's like, if you knew Ricky the way I did, like <laughs> kicking stuff, being a delinquent. But I love her little montage yeah. that she goes into every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just kind of look at each other like this lady's kind of nuts. They're the only people out of everyone that thinks that she's nuts, though, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay, so another trivia thing is that uh, this is, like, the first lo like uh, New Zealand feature that made uh, a million New Zealand dollars in its opening weekend, I guess. Which so, is great. 
That is great. Good on them, man. Well deserved. Oh yeah. So this this movie was based off of a, a book. We already talked about that, written back in two thousand five. So this was interesting because people I mean it's not really a trivia item, but there was a trivia item on IMDB that was just saying like this is kind of basically a rip off of up, which mm. it kind of is. You know yeah, what I mean? I saw it's that like too, this yeah. older guy, younger kid, he's overweight, not really good with wilderness stuff. Obviously, like there's not like this weird, crazy dog bird thing going Psycho on. Psycho Sam. Yeah, Psycho. Oh, yeah. I guess Psycho. Well, not really. I don't know. He's not really accurate to the. It's like kind of like there's some. Oh, yeah. The like the woman dies or whatever, like right off the bat. So that's why he's a conversion, at least for part of the film. I don't know. But well, that's not why he's a conversion. It's not like an accurate, really. But people were saying that. When did Up come out, though? 2000. Uh, nine, I think. So maybe up copied the book. So that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna bring up because it annoyed the crap out of me that someone wrote that in IMDb. Because I'm like, well, if this, because I also read that this was based off of a book. And I'm like, well, if this was based off of a book, then there's no way. <laughs> like, what? What are you even talking about at that point? And even the first treatment of this film was back in 2005, before Up even came out. So I think it's a pretty bogus statement. Also the. This so again, like one of my favorite parts of the film is the Ricky Baker Happy Birthday song. And that only was a thing because they didn't have the rights to the Happy Birthday song and they didn't oh, want to get it. I wish every I wish every movie made up a Ricky Baker Happy Birthday song instead of the yeah. normal Happy Birthday song. That should be oh, a tradition. Absolutely. Every every year your loved ones have to make up a new song about you. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's a lot of that's a lot of work. It's just a birthday. Who cares? Oh yeah. So in Ricky's he Ricky gave a haiku. Maybe this isn't that interesting. I don't know why I put this in, but Ricky makes an haiku, says that he hates Kingy. This is one of his haikus at the beginning, I think, with Bella. And uh Kingy was a character in Boy, which is another film directed by Taika Waititi. So now I'm curious about Boy to see why he hates Kingy. Mm-hmm. The boar was a mix of CGI and physical costume. So, was it the Pan's Labyrinth guy underneath? <laughs> no, there. But there was a guy. I mean, it was so big. There was a guy that was operating the head, and and a guy operating the tush. So, that's pretty good. I love that you say tush. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh, I have kids, so I try to say tush. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is kind of funny. So Heck is portrayed as illiterate. The actor who plays him, Sam Neill, however, has a BA in English literature. So that's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the scene at Bella... Yeah, we didn't even talk about this scene. The scene at Bella's funeral with the minister's bizarre eulogy was based on an actual experience with uh, that writer-director Taika Waititi witnessed. So that's something that actually kind of happened. Because so, he, he's the pastor too, right? Yeah, and he's the yeah, yeah. he's the minister. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that that was funny. Um, that would be so awkward to be <laughs> there for that kind of situation. I love that it's like a call and response with... The audience and yeah. the lady's like Jesus. Jesus. He's like, no, no that's door. that's another door. <laughs> another door. Jesus is tricky. And I love that Ricky's like vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. But what a weird, also sad. I mean, I guess maybe most of her family was in the bush, so maybe they wouldn't have known or something like that. I well, don't she had no exactly. family. Remember? Oh, she had no family. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, not very many people at the funeral, which is sad, but whatever. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah. So when I mentioned the movie Up, though, assuming that this is kind of a, a ripoff of Up, which it's not, 
which do you prefer though up or hunt for the wilder people 100 percent hunt for the wilder people yeah correct i've only seen up once and i did not like it yeah i was pretty whatever i when people were just like I've never cried as hard as I have at the first five minutes of Up. Like, you need to have some more hardships in your life then. <laughs> yeah. To, like, people say also, like, two-hour movies can't even capture the emotional resonance as the first five minutes of Up or whatever. I'm just like, it wasn't that sad. I don't... She was an old lady and she died. <laughs> yeah. A loved one dying is not, like, a pivotal masterpiece. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe part of the reason I don't like Up very much is because when it came out, everyone was, like, obsessed with it and... I have a natural aversion to stuff like that. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Everybody likes this, so I have to hate it. <laughs> I think I would have liked it more if it wasn't so fantastical. It was odd to me that they like ended up on this weird oasis place where there's these talking dogs and these weird birds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I would have rather had something a little more grounded. <laughs> yeah. But no, the balloons lifted it too far. Oh, yeah. I did want to mention the haiku, though. My favorite line from the whole film, I loved, it really got me at the end. I didn't, I don't get emotional or cry or anything, but I was just like, oh, wow, what a, what a moment. Actually, as simple as it is, I loved Hex haiku because he's like learning how to read and stuff. But, uh, his haiku is me and this fat kid. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Me and this fat kid, we ran, we ate and read books and it was the best. I loved it. What a great cap to this film and then obviously they end up going out together to try to find that bird what a great that's a perfect summary that's a perfect summary of of the movie is it not i like too that like i feel like at least in this context fat was used very neutrally yeah like it's not he's not like making fun of ricky he's just describing him. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he's a fat kid you know there's nothing good or bad about being fat yeah. you know and i think you kind of get that a little bit from bella as well she does sort of make fun of him like oh of course you're hungry type stuff yeah but, um, I do think that for the most part, you get like this very body neutral um, stance, but I love that haiku. It was such a, it's so heartwarming and you get to see them finally like grow together. And although I would never want to see a second film, I would like to know where they ended up together. I feel like they probably lived the rest of their days in the bush, in the bush. <laughs> yeah. But this movie was great. I feel like to me, the, the thing that really like sets it apart as just like a really great movie is, I mean, we've already talked about this, but just like Bella and the unconditional love that sort of sets the foundation for these two people whose society has cast aside and mm-hmm. said like aren't worthy of love or aren't worthy of family. Just the unconditional love that brings them together and then they're sort of able to find their own way to discover who they are and just build a really strong relationship. So. Overall, great movie. I'm glad you recommended it for this week, this month. Everyone everyone should watch this film annually. Just kidding. I don't know. Watch it as much as you want. I think it's worthy of watching annually, though, for sure. It's a great film, especially if you need some uplifting, I don't know, media to consume instead of the trash that we are subjected to on the <laughs> daily basis, like Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> this is the palate cleanser between Real Housewives episodes. <laughs> yes. Also, hey, can't end this episode uh, without saying uh, uh, "No Child Left Behind." That <laughs> no is Child Left Behind. No three times behind. in a row. <laughs> Remember that. Remind yourself of that. No Child Left Behind. Hunt for the Wilder People again. 
It's on Netflix. If you <laughs> haven't seen it and you decided to watch the whole or listen to the whole episode anyway, um, check it out if you haven't already. Fantastic film. Love it. We are going to be covering a film of Big T's choosing. Big T, would you like to introduce what the title of this film is? Yeah, we are going to go back to the oldies and watch North by Northwest. Yes. 1959, uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's actually streaming on HBO Max. So yeah, another option for you if you already have HBO Max. This film is consistently rated one of the best films in cinema history. And many argue that it is the laid the foundation for uh, the modern day action thriller movies that oh, we have now. Nice. I was trying to, I wanted to see what the rating was, but it's not rated um, on IMDb at least. There's no rating for it. Or actually, no, yeah, I tried Googling it too. There's no rating, but I saw that it's supposed to be family friendly. So if uh, you're worried about anything because it's not rated, I think it should be fine. I don't know. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I've just heard lots of things about it. So we will see. Um, Big T always keeping us on our toes to see if... uh, That's actually why we call you Big T, your big toes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's... uh, Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm always interested, especially if it's a movie that neither one of us has ever seen. So this will be cool to see. Yeah, if if we're discussing Master for Films, I feel like we have to watch this at some point. Yeah, sure. No, that's totally fine. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I feel like those discussions are always interesting because um, with Alien, I think we both came out of it with like, this is a really good film for the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that we might have the same reaction here. Right. but Especially if it's like an action thriller, it's probably going to be cheesy in some yeah, parts, which is fun. in like the late 50s or something. But yeah. definitely foundational one. You have to, you know, you have to talk about it on a film about masterful or a podcast about masterful films heck yeah all right i'm excited so get ready um that episode will go up on april 4th so yeah get ready for that i was i was telling big t that uh he could really keep us on our toes and actually end up putting not really for april fools i guess it's not really on april fools but for the april movie you could end up choosing something that's not really masterful um at all (laughs) And this might end up not being well. No, it's got it's got good ratings, and people talk fondly of it. So it it should be good. It should be good. I'm excited. Yeah, sweet. Well, that's the episode. Get ready. Watch North by Northwest. And uh, if you want to write into the show, you could do. You can write into what? What's our show called? Layers of Film Pod. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I forgot the name of our show. Uh, <laughs> you can. You can write it to layersoffilmpod at gmail.com if you have any questions or anything that you want to bring up about the films that we are talking about. And, of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Layers of Film Pod, on those as well. And we love you. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, if the next one's coming out in April, Easter doesn't happen then yet, right? No, that's later. I don't think so. But St. Patrick's Day will hope you have an, a great St. Patrick's Day. And an April Fool's. Get those chocolate coins for your kids if uh, if you haven't already. Because um, I made the mistake last year of not getting them until the last second, and they ended up being really weird chocolate coins. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. We'll see you guys later. Have a, have a good one. Bye. See you later. Bye.